Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Exodus chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. And uh, I'm going to read these verses. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the, name, there, therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue, an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. God, I just pray this morning that you would speak through me. God, that uh, your words would be heard in this place this morning. God, that you would show us new things, God, from your word. God, that we would be uh, just uh, inspired, Father, by what you did in the lives of these people. God, knowing that you can do it in our lives as well. God, I just pray that you would highlight new things, God, that you would speak through us today. God, that every person in this place, God, would be ministered to in a new way today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. The year 2015, specifically at the beginning of the year, was really one of the best years for our family in many ways. Uh, Kristen and I in 2014 had completed kind of a, a long project that had really been a dream of ours for many, many years. And throughout the course of this project, we got to work with some people that we never dreamed that we would be able to work with. And we, we made this project and we released it and, and it kind of had better reception than we expected and sort of one of those seasons where it just felt like everything was going right. And towards the end of 2014, the, the lease on the house where we had been living came up and we were kind of in that place where we had planned to lease for another year or so, but the owner decided that he wanted to sell. And so we really had no choice but to find new housing. And so we were kind of debating whether we were going to find another place to just rent for a year or so, or if we were going to go ahead and pull the trigger on buying a little earlier than we expected. And we were kind of walking through all these different decisions. And, and there had been this house that was for sale like months earlier that we had driven by and we had seen, and it was out of our price range. We were still in a lease. It wasn't really an option for us at all, but we had seen it and we loved it. And we thought, man, that house in that location would just be perfect for us, would just be a dream for us. And so as our lease began to run out, I decided that I was going to go ahead and make a call to the realtor who had represented that house. We drove by it. There was no longer a sign in the yard. It had been months. So we assumed obviously that it had sold, but I had saved the listing, which still had the agent's number on it. And so I called this lady and I said, listen, you know, there was this house that was for sale that you were representing and I'm sure it's sold now, but we just didn't know if maybe you had anything like that. And she said, well, actually, that lady never sold the house, and she took it off the market because she didn't want to move during the holidays, so she's putting it back on the market in January. And, and so we made an offer on the house and said, listen, if you don't put it on the market, we would like to go ahead and buy it. It worked out somehow amazingly. We ended up with this house that 
was kind of our dream house at the time. And so 2015, by almost all accounts, was a, a wonderful time in our lives. We moved into the new house. We're, we're living in a dream and, and we're loving life. And I say it was by almost all accounts a, a wonderful year because there was this underlying issue uh, within our family, which was that Kristen's dad was, was struggling against cancer. And he had been dealing with cancer for quite some time. But even in that season, he, he had gotten the treatment that we thought he needed. He had received a bone marrow transplant. Things were looking good. And, and truthfully, when you're in a season where it seems like everything is going good, you kind of expect that everything will continue to go good. You kind of expect that everything will continue to turn out how you expect it to turn out. But unfortunately, in the late spring of 2015, his body did not respond to the transplant the way we had hoped he would, and, and our dad passed. And I don't know if you've ever had a season that was great, and then it suddenly just feels like it turns on you. Like everything is going well, everything is going fine, and suddenly it turns on you. And this is where the children of Israel are in this moment in the story of Exodus, because they have been liberated, they had been, they had been enslaved for generations, and now they've been set free. And if you were here last week, you know that they've just witnessed one of the greatest miracles they've ever seen in their lives. Their greatest enemy was tracking them down, was right on their tail, was about to destroy them. God parts the Red Sea, they walk through on dry land, and then their enemies are taken out as the waters crash back down on them. And the very next verses after this story of the parting of the Red Sea in the book of Exodus are verse after verse of celebration and jubilation. They're singing songs of worship to God. They're celebrating God. They're celebrating what God has done in their midst. And then suddenly it comes upon these verses where it says that they turned towards the wilderness that suddenly everything was fine, and then they turned towards the wilderness. And there's nothing like a wilderness season to bring out what is inside you. The wilderness will always bring out what's inside of you. It's easy to have faith. It's easy to trust. It's easy to step in boldness, and it's easy to walk courageously when everything is turning out exactly how you expected it to turn out. When you get the house, when you get the job, when the family is all on track, when the finances are in order, it's easy to trust when your health is good, when your family is good. It's easy to step out in those moments. But then when it seems as life turns towards the wilderness, how do you respond in those moments? In the book of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells this story. And all throughout Jesus's ministry, he was always telling stories. He was telling stories to help us have a greater understanding of the kingdom of God. And he tells this story about two people who build houses. One of them builds a house on the rock and one builds a house on sand. One has a firm foundation. One has a foundation that is shifty and unstable. And it says, when the rains came, the house that was on the rock stood, but the house that was on the sand fell that it succumbed to the rain. And see, what I think is interesting in that story that Jesus tells is that both of these houses were fine until the rain came. 
Both of these houses were standing until the rain came. It was when the rains came that they discovered they had a shifty foundation. And I think that there are some of us, even in this room, that our foundation is faulty. We just don't know it yet because it hasn't rained hard enough yet. We haven't experienced enough hardship yet. But in crisis, we always find out who we really are. And the children of Israel are finding themselves in crisis. This is why the the pandemic of 2020 had such widespread effect on our entire world. Because as the entire globe experienced the same collective health crisis, it brought out who we really were from within. And so it's no coincidence that as we had this incredible health crisis, we also had this height of political unrest. We had the largest number of people leaving their jobs in history. People were figuring out who they really were in those moments. I mean, just one small minor example of what we've seen over the last few years. The average incident on an airline pre-2020, where an incident was actually reported between a conflict between someone on the flight, the average per year was 143. 143. For the amount of flights that take off around the world, that is almost nothing. In the year 2021, there were 4,290. There is this collective raising of anger, of violence. We are finding out what is in us. The shaking and uncertainty bring out what is inside of us. And for the children of Israel, suddenly, after the greatest miracle they've ever seen, they turn towards the wilderness, and suddenly they are grumbling and complaining about the situation that they are in. Listen again to verses 22 through 27. It says, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water, for they were, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue or ordinance of them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought to the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. They've been wandering through the desert for three days. They're three days removed from witnessing this incredible miracle when they find themselves without water. And so they faced a situation where an abundance of water before them was, was, heat, was stopping them from taking steps into the promised land. And now it's the lack of water that they face that's keeping them from taking steps. And they finally find water. Can you imagine wandering through the desert for three days, needing water, walking through the heat, walking through the sand, needing something to drink, and then suddenly you see it. I can only imagine as they started to run to the water, desperate for the water, only to taste it, to find out that it's bitter. There's nothing worse than thinking you're at the solution for your problem, only to find out that the problem is actually worse than you expected. They think that they're running up to something that is going to refresh them, but instead it is bitter. And if you're not careful, a season of life that turns from good to bitter or from good to worse will lead you to bitterness. And bitterness is particularly dangerous because bitterness lives beneath the surface. 
Bitterness is not something that is obvious on the face of people you encounter. In Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when they saw the water at Marah, they did not realize that it was bitter water until they drank it. And this is why bitterness often ends up, ends up destroying some of our closest relationships. Because bitter does not, bitterness does not usually rear its head until it is experienced in some form of close contact, in some form of intimacy, because it is not recognized until it is experienced. You can't tell someone is bitter just by walking up to them and looking at their face. You can't tell someone is bitter until you start to experience and spend time with them. See, the water at Mara, the water itself was not inherently bitter. The, the, the minerals that seeped into the water made the water bitter. What, what happened to the water made the water bitter in the same way that what happens to you and I makes us bitter. We were not created to be bitter, but what we let seep into our lives has the potential to make us bitter. And see, so often we think that bitterness is a private struggle, that it's something that we're handling on our own. But as Paul said in the book of Hebrews, the bitter root will defile many. It's not just you. Your bitter roots will always end up in someone else's yard. If you don't leave them tended, they will always end up in someone else's yard. Psychology today describes bitterness as almost always the result of hurt, believed to have malicious intent, but experienced as anger and resentment. See, see, bitterness is not just an emotion in and of itself. It is an emotion that brings out anger and resentment in us. Bitterness is the thing that causes us to look at someone else and assume the worst in them. Bitterness causes us to look at someone else and assume that they have malicious intent toward us, to, to assume the worst in them. And see, the children of Israel had to deal and face with bitterness in order to make it back onto the road to freedom. See, we talked about last week how God took the children of Israel the long way in order to teach them some things before they actually made it into the promised land. And I don't think it's any mistake that the very first stop he makes after this miracle parting of the Red Sea is dealing with bitterness. Because if, dealing, if bitterness goes unchecked, it, it seeps into our entire lives. It seeps into our mindsets. It seeps into the way that we respond to people. And if you want to experience true freedom, you will have to confront and deal with bitterness in your life before you can take steps towards the purpose that God has for you. And see, the, the bad news is that life is going to give you bitter water. There are going to be seasons where you experience bitter water. The, the doctor's report doesn't come back as you expected. You, you prayed for a miracle, but you're sitting at a funeral. Your kids cannot get in line. Your finances never seem to match up. The marriage didn't last. Life will give you bitter water. The good news is John 16, 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in you, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
See, you will be you will be subjected to bitter water in this life, but the good news is that, that Jesus has overcome what you will experience in this life. That the bitter water is not the end of the story. See, a lot of things about this story kind of always confuse me because there's this moment where it says that they were looking for water and that in that moment that God showed Moses a tree. Water does not grow on trees. Water does not come from trees. A tree does not seem like it would be the solution for their need for water. But so often, I think we are looking for the solution that we want in the moment. We want God to remove the bitter water, but God wants to make the bitter water sweet. See, I think what we don't realize in this moment and what the children of Israel did not realize in this moment is that they actually already had everything that they needed. They just didn't realize it. They actually already had the water that they needed. They just didn't realize it. They were viewing the water that they had as bitter and as though there was nothing they could do about it. And I wonder how many of us in this room are viewing our, certain, our, our current situation as bitter. We're viewing what we have as incapable to quench our thirst. We're viewing what we have as not enough. We're viewing what we have only as it looks in the natural, not how it looks through the supernatural of God being able to make the bitter sweet. And it's in these moments that, that we need to do a couple of things in order to move past the bitterness. See, the question in these moments becomes how do you experience bitter water without becoming a bitter person? How do you experience bitter water without becoming a bitter person? And I have just a few quick things for you today of how you can experience bitter water without becoming a bitter person. And the first thing is this, you have to name it. You have to acknowledge it. See, I think What's so interesting about this story is that it says that when they drank of the bitter water, they called the place Mara. That the word Mara means bitterness. In other words, they said this place that we are in is bitter. This season that I'm in is bitter. They acknowledged what was happening in the moment and called the place bitter. There's this other moment in the Old Testament where this same word is used, and it's the story of this lady named Naomi. And to make a really long story short, Naomi had lost everything in her life. She had two sons who passed away. Her husband passed away. In this context, in this time, that basically meant that she had no future. She had no sons to carry on her family legacy. She had no sons to help her around the house. She had no husband. Her future was essentially over. She, she was basically relegated to being a beggar in this moment. And in this moment, when her husband and her two daughters have died, someone calls her by her name. They call her Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And it's the same word. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for God has made my life bitter. Now, here's the difference in these two moments. Moses and the children of Israel named a place bitter. Naomi named herself bitter. And this is the danger when we approach bitterness in our lives is that we will name ourselves and our life bitter rather than just acknowledging that we are in a place that seems bitter at this moment. 
that we are in a place that is bitter, but our life is not bitter. Our life is not hopeless. Our life has not come to an end. We still have a future. Even what we see before us as bitter in the hands of God has the potential to be sweet. But we cannot name our lives and ourselves bitter. We have to name the place bitter. Number two is that we have to cry out to God. See, there's another interesting contrast here in this moment where the children of Israel do what we so often do when we face bitterness. And it says they grumbled and complained to Moses. How often when we experience bitterness in our lives do we grumble and complain to other people? How often do we take our bitterness to other people? How often do we spill our bitterness on other people? But then it says, Moses cried out to God. And can I just tell you that there is power in crying out to God. When we look in the Bible, story after story of people crying out to God ends with God hearing their prayer. It says that Job cried out and the Lord delivered him. Jonah cried out to the Lord from the belly of the fish and God delivered him. The three Hebrew men locked in a fiery furnace cried out to God and he showed up for them. There is power when you are in a bitter situation. There is power in crying crying out to God. Don't grumble to others. Don't complain to others. Don't take it to others. Take it to the one who can actually do something about it. That's what Moses did in that moment. He took it to God. Number three is that you have to trust his answer. And this is part of what is so difficult because his answer sometimes doesn't seem to make sense. This is that moment where it says, Moses cried out to God for water and God sent him a tree. God sent him a tree. And and I think what is so interesting here is the Bible says that God showed them a tree and they threw the tree in the water and the water became sweet. And I always wondered like, why'd they have to throw the tree in the water? What, What is the point of the tree going into the water? But there is this There is this ancient story among rabbis, among Jewish rabbis, of a tree that grew in the wilderness that you could throw into sour water and the tree would actually absorb the minerals that made the water bitter and it made the water drinkable. This is something that travelers through the desert, through time, began to learn that they could do in order to make the water sweet. And so the idea was if you throw the tree into bitter water, that it would absorb the bitterness and make the water sweet. And here's what I think is interesting, is that before Moses and the children of Israel ever encountered the bitter water, before they ever drank the bitter water, before they ever experienced the bitter water, there was a tree planted and growing that was the remedy to the bitterness. That before they even experienced the bitterness, there was already a remedy growing years before they ever even faced it. Years before they ever even had to make it sweet, there was a remedy growing in the ground. And throughout this series, we've talked about how the story of Moses and the book of Exodus is a picture of what Jesus would come and what Jesus would do. And and I can't help but see the parallel between a tree that is thrown into water and absorbs the bitterness and makes it sweet and the cross that Jesus went to, to die on, to absorb the bitterness of your life and make it sweet. 
that, that Jesus went to the cross so that you did not have to face your bitterness alone. Jesus went to the cross so that you had a place to take your bitterness. Can I tell you that just as the children of Israel experienced that bitter water and there was a tree planted and there was a tree growing that was the remedy for their bitterness, before you faced whatever experience has made you bitter, before you experienced whatever situation has made you bitter and has made you question, there was a tree to absorb that bitterness and it's the cross of Jesus. That, that it was already taken care of before you even experienced it. The fourth and final thing in order to experience bitter water but, but not become a bitter person is you cannot set up camp next to bitter, bitter water. You cannot set up camp next to bitter water. Listen, it says, Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Then they camped near the water. See, they camped by 12 fresh springs and 72 uh, palm trees, giving them shade. See, what I think we so often do is when we encounter bitter water, we set up camp there. We choose the place of bitterness to be the place that we stay. We choose the place of bitterness to camp, but they chose to camp next to abundance. They traded one bitter source of water for 12 springs of fresh water. And that's where they chose to set up camp. See, if you are in a bitter season right now, or maybe a long time ago, you walked through a season of bitterness that you have yet to let go of. It's time for you to name that season and it's time for you to take it to the cross, the only place that was designed to absorb that bitterness and make it sweet again. Only then can you move into a place of abundance and freedom. Will you bow your heads with me this morning all across this room?